Well, we are the West Coast Project. You are. That's true. Welcome to the West Coast Project. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Mike. And I'm Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hey, Mike. It's always funny when we do our intro like five minutes into a conversation. Well, it's the only time we get a chance to talk. We were just talking about how Chattanooga's on the East Coast and... Mike. (laughs) San Francisco's on the West Coast. East Coast timeline. Okay, when are you going to start your East Coast project? Oh, geez. I'm not. Well, this is the West Coast Project feed for Louie, Louie TV. Louie with an S on the the iTunes feed, but it's really Louie CK with an E. Yep. Right? You've corrected me for that before. Me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But we had to get a feed. I mean, I could have called it Lou, Lou TV, but Louie's better even with an S, I think. Everybody knows Louie CK. It won't be a big deal. No, I think I think you're right. Seeing how we're three seasons into it, it's a little too late to change it anyway. <laughs> I agree. All right, Michelle, this was 502 a la carte, and this was a yeah. really good one for review. Uh, it has comedy, psychology, food, film noir, pooping. Yeah, yeah. First, first, before we get started in it, um, on the last podcast, I'd said that Louie was on Jimmy Kimmel, and I'm such a dork. It was Jimmy Fallon, and then we see him again in this episode. Um, and I, I actually did want to bring up in the podcast, not just in the pre-podcast, that that we try to do this so quickly afterward and everything, and that this episode was kind of hard for me in that um, Louie is not just a comedy, as you've pointed out many, many times. He's... He's brilliant, and I've really been resistant to that, but I think I'm coming around to your way of thinking. Um, this had so many uh, nuances. It had so many things that need to be fleshed out that I really haven't even had a chance to process the whole thing yet. And I did watch it even a couple times, even though it comes on really late and we're trying to get it out the next morning and everything. But, um, did you like it? Did you think that, or am I the only one? This because one I... was pretty deep. It, it had okay. a lot, like I said, it was a good one for, for review. It has the psychology and thinking behind everything has kind of a dual deeper meaning than just the surface meaning of the conversation, especially the Pamela Louie dinner conversation. Well, yeah, that, absolutely, but but even other parts of it, and we'll kind of get into it as we go, but there are so many different little roads that this thing takes that um, that I absolutely want to get your opinion on. Before we do start it, though, I did want to also say that there's, like, message boards dedicated to Louis. no, I don't know if the whole message board, but certainly, like, threads in them dedicated to Louis cooking, and... Um, I found a whole bunch of that last week, and I am not the only one that is impressed with his cooking. And there's people that even went back and watched the way he did the chicken and then tried to replicate it. And they talked about why you would add this and why you would add this. It was really interesting, and I was <laughs> glad I wasn't the only one that was so impressed with the way he he does that. You're going to put that- a- you gonna put them on your uh, cooking website? Um, <laughs> I don't have a cooking website, but I I don't know. Don't you have a nutrition kind of lifestyle nutrition cooking website? 
Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's not really specifically like like cooking or that kind of thing. It's more like um, nutrition. We'll and put I don't it know up if, there, man. Cross branding. Got You think you think fried chicken kind of goes with the nutrition? Maybe I don't know. Louis looks nutritious and healthy. <laughs> okay. All right, Michelle, you got your Pamela back in this one too. I know they heard me. They heard me. They felt felt my despair over Pamela. Well, there are three arcs. The first one is Louis the pooping arc. <laughs> Louis's out shopping with his girls and he has a poop event. That pretty brave and honest to just really I mean, I bet he really had this happen to him somewhere <laughs> in his recent past. <laughs> it was funny, his daughters knew right away what was going on. Um <laughs> They encourage him to survive. Don't poop. Like, pooping and dying are the same thing. Well, evidently, he didn't want to use public restrooms. And Who does? I really, yeah, yeah. That's what I was trying to say. I really sympathize with this. But, but at this point, in, in his progress, in his need, um, I, I think I would have just kind of given in. You would have just pooped? I think I would have given in to the public restroom. Well, he had a hard time yeah. finding a pup. That, that's not just not wanting to use it. You have to find one. Well, right. But I thought in the store they were trying to get him to go, and he didn't want to go. And that's when I think Lily said he doesn't like to use public restrooms, and she kind of made that known. And then they left the store, and that's when it became dire. Yeah, he got out in no man's land. So it was kind right. of both. He didn't want to, then he had to, but he couldn't right. find one. <laughs> telling you i was watching this with my daughter last night and we were barely laughing at that scene particularly where he's telling her it's almost like he's like save yourself go away don't look at me oh my gosh that was that was ridiculous they knew right away what was going on like it happens all the time too right another poop event it's cool, too, I thought, that they're keeping these same girls, so we get a really good perspective of them growing up. The two daughters are the same actresses. Hadley Delaney right. is the older one, Lily. She's 15 in real life now. Aw. And Ursula Parker is Jane. She's the younger one. I don't know how old she is, but she's the violin-playing one. Remember, she played the violin for Amya. Absolutely, and, and and played it with her and did an amazing job. Well, she Absolutely. played she played at Carnegie Hall at six years old, violin at Carnegie Hall. That is crazy. Yeah, Very so she's talented. probably what twelve, eleven, twelve. Yeah, I don't know. A couple know. years younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, as they're going through this little sojourn through the city with the pooping problem, they like, they go past ironically the no dumping sign. I, I know it was just set up perfectly. Perfectly. And then call him for the police. And he threw away the groceries and just makes a run for it. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's pretty true about New York, I think. And probably most big cities, there's no poo-poo here. You can't stop and poop anywhere you want. But even the police can't. I mean, how are the police going to help? I don't, I don't know, but it was funny that, that Jane thought to involve him. Well, that's the first thing you tell kids, right? You have a problem and there's a policeman, ask him to help you. Right. <laughs> he, he didn't want to hear it. No. All right, and that was it. Then we go to the comedy club. Louis' typical walk up and down the comedy club stairs. Does Louis look thinner to you than before, Michelle? Yeah, but somebody pointed out that that was the old one. That that, that, that was uh, the 
but they had recycled that intro. So it's the old cut of Louie, like years ago? Right. It's not current? Right. Hmm. That's what I heard. So I don't know if that's true or not. I assumed it was true, but since you brought it up, I don't know. But before we get to that, before we go to this, sorry, I know I keep doing this, but what about the scene where the guy calls Jane a little white bitch? We got to talk about that. Yeah, that's just more New Yorkisms, I think. And it doesn't even phase Louie, like, okay, whatever, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it did phase Louie. Because, I mean, how could you stand there and let somebody call your daughter a bitch? Well, he and, did. I mean, yeah, he did. But I think that was part, that was one of these things about this show. The first thing was him picking up the, I think it was Kashi crackers or something. The crackers that his daughter's like, ooh, we don't like those. He's like, I know that's why I buy them. And they're like, well, that's not nice. And he's like, yeah, my mother did that to me. I agree. So that was one thing that was kind of like this weird little thing in there. And then this next thing was where this adult man called his, you know, like we just said, maybe 11-year-old daughter a bitch. Yeah. And, and he paused like he wanted to do something about it but then it was like the need to poop was so um overwhelming that he couldn't handle it at that point well also that it's a probably fairly common new yorkism thing to hear you wouldn't hear that in chattanooga or you know memphis probably but it might be more common to hear that in new york for an adult to call a little Kid? More common than other places. Not very nice thing to say. I'm not saying that it's that, but it's not probably very unusual. That's that. You absolutely could be right. I mean, I'm sheltered probably from my geographic location, but that would be really surprising. That that surprises me. It even surprises me that you, that you're saying that because. To call somebody's child a name is just right. But put it in the context. We're kind of going back to the slap thing. You have a you have an emergency need for my bathroom. Just take you and your little bitch daughter out. It's just cold New York. I'm not helping. It's in. It's un. Not inhuman, but it's it's not a very nice reflection of humanity. And I think it is a reflection of how cold day to day life could be in New York City. So you think that's all that had to do with? It's not like a bigger scheme of of situations that Louis doesn't know how to handle or is vulnerable in. Because I saw this repeating theme in this of situations where Louis handles things a certain way, like with the crackers, and then he doesn't really like the way he handled it, and then he doesn't handle anything because he's insecure, and he even points that out to Pamela later. Or because there's something else going on with him that he doesn't really know how to handle. It doesn't have time to handle. I don't know. I kind of saw that as a recurring theme in this episode. That was part of the depth that I was talking about. But so, Well, so what do you think it meant? What's the depth of this guy's insulting the little girl? Well, I didn't think anything at this point because we were only just barely into it. But as the show went on, I thought it was... A situation that Louis got himself into, I mean, you know, because he did go into the store, even offered the guy 20 bucks to let him use the bathroom, and um, the guy turned him down, so it was a situation that most people would handle that, I would think, at least say something back to him, and he didn't, and I don't know 
if it was because of his insecurity or because he didn't know how to handle the situation or or just because he had an excuse for not handling it, a good excuse. You know, he had a bodily function that needed to occur. So, but we just do see that again and again, unless I'm just reading a lot into it that's not there. But I did well, want this to get show, your Well, this show kind of prompts us to put it on the psychiatrist's couch. Everything that we see, it's like, oh, what does that mean? You know, right. Because a lot of times he does mean things that seem innocuous, but they probably have some deeper meaning to him. So, like, even the crackers, what did you call the name of those crackers? I think they're Kashi crackers. Are, aren't so those, like, them. don't they promote, like, roughage and good digestion? And Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, they're um, whole grain, maybe, or something. Yeah. I can't remember specifically, but, yeah. yeah so there definitely you go with the poo-poo, the poo-poo theme and the good <laughs> digestion. Right. <laughs> All right, well, let's get away from the poop and go to the comedy club. Yeah, please. And did, well, okay, so did Louis look thinner to you in, in his normal other scenes that are more, that were up to date that you knew were current? You know, when I watched him on Jimmy Fallon, he didn't. He looked heavier, and I was actually going to point that out. Um, so I can't. I can't tell. I don't know if it's just the clothing he wears sometimes. Did you think he looked thinner? I think he definitely looks thinner coming up those stairs. But if that's the if that's the explanation in, in that it's an old cut of footage, that would be it. Because he didn't look any different to me. He looked fat in his regular scenes. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And that's why when I saw that, because I noticed it too. Because I thought, I, I had even written down for us to talk about last time. Well, he looks really good. He looks, you know, younger and thinner and all this. And then I read that and I thought, oh, okay, maybe not. And I just took it at face value. So so the second arc is this comedy club and we see Stephen Wright. Now, Stephen Wright looks way older than the last time I pictured him. But I haven't seen him in a heck of a long time. Did you, did you remember Stephen Wright from his first appearance on the comedy scene? I don't know. Even at like David Letterman and maybe even Johnny Carson years and years ago. But now he's basically an old man. <laughs> Stephen Wright is the guy. He, you might remember him if you saw his footage from before, but he's the guy like he, he always talks with a super dry voice. He's, uh, he's like the other comedian, the Bart guy who has like no, no flavor or color to his presentation. Stephen I'll Wright is that comedian. He, he used to say something like, I put my keys in my apartment. I put my apartment keys, or what does he say? I put my car keys in my apartment by mistake. So I started it up and drove it around. Uh-huh. And then he talks about stuff like that. But he always has that plain, plain Jane delivery, like no color, no enthusiasm. And he kind of was doing that. Kind of a monotone. Yeah. yeah, monotone. But Louis tasked here to do an, to host another open mic comedy show for... For 500, no, 400. <laughs> the guy yeah. lowers the price and, <laughs> at, the, at the comedy strip club. And he gets the advice, don't put two girls on in a row. Um, and this even gets reinforced by performers that are in the comedy competition. Uh, what did you think about this, Michelle? This is kind of a slam on women comedians. Was it? Don't put because... two girls in a row. You'll kill the show. You'll kill the momentum of the show. Is that... Is that what he meant by that? Because I think so. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know if you didn't do that because, um, I mean, why would that just be an anti-woman? Why would it? Well. Like women aren't as funny. Don't put two of them in a row. You'll kill the whole show. 
or maybe there's not as many women and you need to spread them out because they are funny. No. I don't know. Oh, okay. No, well, it's I kind just, of an I underlying comic, comedic theme. I know Adam Carolla says it all the time. Like women, it's, I don't hate women, but women just aren't as funny as men. Like most, there aren't that many women comedians. There's more men, com- male comedians. Um, so I think that was the, the theme there. That was the, okay. the message. Well, comedy is oftentimes crude. And I don't know that crudeness comes across as is is accepted as much from females. So you definitely could have a point there. Well, people like Sarah Silverman are pretty crude. Judy Gold, the woman we saw in the last the last uh, Louis, where she was the going to be oh. the mother. Pamela is Pamela. crude. Um, you know, Kathy Griff is her name Griff Griffin. Yeah, I don't think it's not because they can't be crude. I think there's just. More I just don't male. think it's as accepted though. They're definitely you know crude in in the situation i just think comedy i think that's what makes us laugh a lot of times and the crudeness is just not as well accepted with females so so he's setting up these performers with a lottery do you think the lottery was just for the order of the comedians or that some got in and some didn't get in oh i thought it was just the order hmm okay and it was kind of funny. Louis had to intro himself. Here comes yeah. Louis C.K. And then he runs away and onto the stage. Yeah. What was the point of that? It's just a crappy little club. They don't even have an announcer. You know, and there was like six people in the audience. It was just a side, little side crappy club, crappy show. Okay. That was. I, I probably I, I really like that. that, though. I bet they don't hire an extra guy just to be the announcer. It's the comedian himself. That announces so, himself, yeah. The first comedian is Mike Pachetti. Michelle, have you ever heard of this guy, Mike Pachetti? No, I haven't. He's a real dude. He was on the Artie Lang show. You might have heard of Artie Lang before. He was on Howard Stern. Yes, yes. And then he had his own show on DirecTV. He's kind of a funny... I really like Artie Lang as a comedian. But Mike Pachetti was kind of his doofus shtick sidekick on his show. Mm-hmm. He's really kind of a dorky, bad comedian. And he kind of proved it in this first joke he tells that his only girlfriends were plastic or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah but he's a real guy, so he does his little thing. And then this next guy comes up. Bart Folding was the second comedian. And he was this horrible, uh, horrible comedian. He asked Louis to watch him and critique him. And right. um, besides some other advice, Louis tells him to use a funny voice. He basically tries to tell him to get out of comedy and save your save your soul from torture. Okay, now see that was another one of these. That was another one of these. Here, here, Louis was put in a situation, and then he was given advice, and the guy was like, "No, um, I would rather die." Essentially, is what he said than than not be a comedian. And he was so bad. I mean, he basically got there and told a story of abuse and horror, and in in a monotone, flat voice, and everybody, you know, you could hear crickets chirping in the background. It was horrible. And Louis was trying to be kind by telling him to get out, but then Louis, like, saw his passion, and so he kind of gave him a little half-hearted, you know, just, I don't know, man. The only thing I can tell you is say it in a different voice or something. I don't know. I got no advice for you. He was trying to be kind to him, but then when the guy said he was going to do it anyway, then Louis threw something out there for him. Well, Louis playing fast and loose with continuity here, the Louis C.K. writer, because he uses the real Mike Bachetti, but the fake Bart Folding. 
or the, the fiction, fictitious Bart Folding. Bart right. Folding, the guy playing him is Nate Fernald, a, really a real comedian. Right. But he didn't use Nate Fernald. He uses this guy Bart Folding. So he, he plays fast and loose with continuity here with the who's real, who's not real. Right. Um, so, yeah, I had some interpretation of this. Like, did Louis give – did the bad advice Louis gave to this guy mean that the comedy generations are disconnected? Like, is his generation different? Because um, he tells this kid to get out of comedy, you're not funny, but then he turns out being funny. Like he's a bad judge of comedians, right? No, he was a perfect judge. The guy was awful. Bart Folding was awful. But he, he had potential. He just needed to up his game. Yeah, but it's almost like almost like Louis keyed in on something, even if it were subconscious, that the guy could... Well, that's the, that's the other thing is Louis just a genius and he knew what little ingredient to add to that guy's recipe to make him super successful. I don't know. When when we hear this guy again and he says it in a different voice, it's a completely different. Yeah, it's, it's different. still not funny, though. It's still not funny. They made him look successful because he's on Jimmy right, Fallon, right. but it still mm-hmm. wasn't that funny. No, but it was a different it had a different tone. It didn't feel as. Uh, dark or whatever. Yeah, he was more confident. He was dressed up really nice. He looked better. You know, it's just he was on national TV, so he right. was way, his game was way up. But I don't know. The message, I think, like, does Louis not know what makes a good comedian? Does he accidentally create this Frankenstein comedian, a uh, successful comedian? Was it maybe a flashback of Louis himself when he was young? Oh, know, it's I'm, just interesting. The whole Bart folding thing was pretty interesting yeah i thought it was too and if you'll notice then later on in this episode louis starts talking he's making fun of like uh north carolina accent or something which you know um uh, he's he's kind of throwing out this this weird voice anyway for for a north carolina accent and um so he changed his voice in right. that. So voice, I don't know. I just voice kinda... was an important part of this. Like Stephen Wright, his monotone voice, and then right. Louis tells this Bart dude to make his voice sound funny. To at least try to do something different, make your voice sound funny. Right. And then his his routine, like you said, was for kind of the hillbilly North Carolina voice. Right. Well, I mean, you know, it was so far off of that. I mean, you couldn't even understand the words, but it but it was funny. Yeah. Changing the voice. So. The other interesting thing about Bart was that his favorite comedians were Lucille Ball and Buster Keaton, who are two very demonstrative, like almost slapstick comedians. Mm-hmm. And this Bart folding dude was just a you know, plain Jane vanilla stand straight up, not have any funny thing. It was not anywhere near slapstick. <laughs> oh, no, no. Bart no. was more like Stephen Wright than Buster Keaton. Buster Keaton. So it was funny that he made that. He picked those two as his as his models for what he learned to be or why he loved comedy. Bart. Well, also though, Louis asked him. He said, "You have to tell. You have to um, go out there and put out what what's funny to you." And Bart was saying, "Well, I have to tell." Or you've always said to tell the truth or something or something to that effect, you know? And it was, I thought that was interesting too, because it kind of brought out some of, 
I don't know, some of Louie's stuff. Kind of like the stuff you always say is, I wonder if that really happened with Louie and, uh, and how a lot of this is maybe caricatures of episodes of his life and stuff like that. Well, Louie makes a point later on with Pamela coming up here about how he didn't go to college, but he learned about life by being in life. Yeah. That's why I think this Bart Folding might be this fictional, fictitious uh, version of Louie, the, the learning version of Louie where he was a crappy comedian until he learned how to become a good comedian. That's interesting. So let's go to arc three. This is the longer one with Pamela. Um, did you like the reunion, Michelle? Yeah, I, I was confused by it. First of all, do you think it was a reunion or do you think they've been together all along? No, I think they've been together all along. I don't think it was a reunion at all. Um, did you think it was? Now that I've heard her describe it, she's like the let's stay friends and fade in and out and, you know, not be in a relationship, but probably has been a friendship all along. Um, like, I'll see you, you know, I'll have sex with you one night and then I won't see you for three weeks and then we'll get together and we'll do something fun. And that's her M.O. That's her plan. Well, I'm not saying that they're in any kind, obviously, of serious, you know, monogamous, whatever relationship, but... I I think where we ended in season four, I don't see a break in continuity with that, whatever yeah, that was that they had. That. But what about him having se- the you know the pregnant sex with Julian Julianne last time? Well, he's free, according to Pamela's rules of relationship, he's free to do that. He didn't know Pamela's rules of relationship before well, he was He's not in a relationship with Pamela other than being her friend. He wants to live with her, but they're right. not there yet. Right. I don't know. I thought that was kind of odd, and I'm kind of, well, you know, the whole a la carte, you take what you want when you want it. I don't know. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right, he wants her to go to an arty movie thing, and she says she'll do it, but expects it to be boring. So she's already teeing it up to be kind of bitchy, and I'll do it, but I don't want to. Yeah, but she didn't want to. But now, this was another interesting thing. We're only like maybe 10 minutes into this episode so far, right? And there are so many different little things like this. She wants him to, you know... Be a man. Talk her into it. Put out his ideas and stuff like that. And I think that I kind of realized this is what I like about Pamela. And, man, there are people who like Pamela and people who dislike Pamela. People who dislike Pamela are idiots. Well, she's not nice. She's too grating. She's not nice. I don't. you got to love Pamela for her intelligence and the intelligence she adds to the show. <laughs> They couldn't well, do it with her being this nice little girlfriend. She's got to be the way she is. I don't think Pete. Well, Amia wasn't like, of course, we don't really know because she didn't speak. She's gone. Right. But I don't think people who dislike Pamela are idiots. I think I do. Lot, they don't understand. No, the there's a lot to dislike about her. She's ugly and everything. She's but not ugly. Not physically ugly. You know, I don't mean that physically. I mean, she's very ugly to him. She's. She calls him vile names and everything, and she and she says it just blasely. But but blasely is that not the right word? <laughs> okay, go ahead and make fun. You know what I mean. I mean, she says it just 
just throws know, it but out. She does it within the framework of their friendship. He he is he accepts it. You know, he, it makes him think. Oh, Mike, though, we don't want to do that, you know, because, I mean, a lot of people will get into this. You accept being abused in a relationship, so that doesn't make it okay and all that. She loves him, though. He knows she loves him, and they love love each other in this weird, friendy way, and their communication exists in that framework, and I think Louis accepts it that way. Yes. It's not abuse like, fuck you, Dude, and then she really it kind do- of is though. It kind of is. I don't. But see having it that way. said all of that, I think it brings out something good in Louis, and I think it brings out something that needs to be brought out in him. So I have a hard time disliking her and disliking what she does with him because it seems to have nothing but a positive effect on him. I so think that's the point. Yeah, I do too, but that was the point that I was kind of trying to make because I understand why people dislike how she is, but at the same time, I think it's good for him. I understand why people dislike how she is too. They're stupid. Like, that's not true. That's not true. All right, it was kind of interesting that she mocks this French movie with her own funny voice. So it's kind of the third version of funny voices that we... Yep. Now, was that maybe to help us remember Bart for later, or was it just another third angle on the funny voice thing? I don't know. I mean, maybe they do it a lot, and we just don't count it. I don't know. So she does what you said. She tells him to make your case. Don't just listen to me and and, and agree with me. Make your case. Stand up for yourself. Yeah, she says, be a man, essentially. Convince me. And that's another theme that we see constantly in Louis. Be a man. Be a man. Remember the, the terrible Louis episode that we couldn't get through hardly? The bully. Oh, my gosh. The be a man episode. And I'm real curious why this is a recurring theme with Louis. Well, I'm curious. Learning about life, learning about what it takes to be a man, and he's sharing it. He's sharing that message. He's sharing those lessons. It's that's really another deep thing with this, and it's really interesting to me. I think. Well, this make your case and prove to me why we should go opens the door for Louis to give us a little rundown on his life, and he starts to talk about how he didn't go to college because he was a bad student, and how, like we said, he made his life the ongoing education, and they start to go into a flashback almost, but Pamela doesn't want that to happen. She pulls out the Reddit TLDNR. Too long. Don't want to listen. Yeah, but what did you think about that? Because they set up this whole flashback with the people in... I mean, they even give us a glimpse of it. I mean, with these people in in period clothing and everything, and they start to go into this. This was like a... It probably took just as much work to make this scene as it would if they had... Finished it. Yes. And then they cut it off. It was like another episode of Louie's Life, kind of like the one where the man called his daughter a bitch. And that something got started and then got shut down. I think it's a comment on our times. The the Reddit TLDNR is part of our... People do say that. Like, too long. I don't want to listen. We have instant gratification. Get to the point. I have... You have 14 seconds to tell me what this means and then i'm bored and i want to move on that's what pamela is saying yeah yeah but sometimes the point is the conversation 
The point is not the point of the conversation. The point is to have the conversation. Well, the other message is we're here in the future now and we're moving forward, I think, and that's what Pamela wants to focus on. It was interesting to me about the movie, if we can move past this thing, is the movie is something about the sorrow for a woman. <laughs> I mean, what's the meaning in that? It's all black, dark, French noir. I think it's France. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. may have even made this movie up. I tried to look it up to see what that movie really was, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Me too. It me wouldn't too. surprise me if they just pulled out a black and white camera and made a digital woman against a wall and noired it up and made it look just like a scene from an old movie, but it was made by Louis. Yeah, and it was being uh, narrated, I guess, and it said, even in her sorrow, she could not cry. She was a failure in every way as a woman. Right. What do you think that was about? Uh, just darkness, just the darkness of the human condition. I don't know what that means to Pamela and Louie, but that was the that was the message, at least. Well, we see Pamela with an inability to express herself as far as, you know, love and that kind of thing. And I just wondered if it was saying something well, about her. Well, she thinks her, everything her ends feeling. in ruin. We're going to hear that pretty soon. But, yeah, it's like almost Pamela's story in that woman against the wall. Right, like the, you know, dark-headed woman against the wall in distress and despair. So, I don't know. She thinks the movie sucks and... um <laughs> wants to make the most of it, though, and not just leave. And she wants Louis to do a Pee Wee Herman in the theater, <sighs> uh, which is, of course, masturbate. If you ever heard Pee Wee Herman story, she, yeah, I don't think she really wanted him to. I think she wanted to see if he would. Well, then he flips it on her and says, "No, you're going to do it," and tells her to give him a blowjob. And then she just backs out and laughs at him and tells him, "Let's get out of here so we can go get something to eat." Right. I don't know if that was her plan, Michelle, or if she just backed out of it when he when it looked like he was really going to stand up and call her on this shit. Yeah, that was another real interesting thing in their dynamic, um, crude as it, as it was, is she was telling him to do something, and he was like, I'm not going to do it. And she's like, yes, you are. And he's like, no, I'm not. And then he kind of like a little, something switched in him, you know? And he's like, no, you're going to do it. He made his case. He did what yeah, she wanted him to that's do. That's right. That's right. And she's like, do what? She's like, I'll do what you want, but you're going to say it. And then he said it. And of course she laughed and they got out there. She Thank took goodness. the easy way but, out. Like her, rela- her solution to the relationship is the easy way out. Ooh. Okay. And then we had a commercial break, but then he'd come back there at dinner and Pamela likes dinner at old Italiani places. And Louis makes the joke about the Godfather that if you go to the bathroom, there's a gun behind the toilet. Yeah. That was cool. I noticed that, yeah. And Pamela wants a sleepover. And here's where Louis suggests they move in together, but she's just talking about sex. Yep. And there was an interesting little side alley here where she asked the waiter for more oil. And Louis looks, Louis fascinated by this question where she stops the waiter. Like, you have the control to stop a waiter. He's off doing something else. You stop him in his tracks. And Louis just watching her ask for this extra oil. I don't know why this caught my attention, but she's very good. She's very good at getting what she wants in life. Like, everything goes her way, right? She gets what she wants. Um,. That's yeah. That's that's certainly a way to look at. It. I've I've never thought about her getting 
everything. I don't know that Pamela has what she wants. I think Pamela's kind of closed off. But um, I don't think that she is shy about asking she has what, what she, she wants or she doesn't wants. want. Um, do you think she does? Or yeah. do you think she's just so closed off to anything new that... Well, well that's I what guess she that's exactly what wants. you're saying. Yeah, okay. We most yeah, most right. of us have what we think we want in life. Right? Or we do something about it. If we weren't happy enough, we get unhappy enough with our circumstances, we do something about it. We get enough courage, we work up the cha- to the challenge. But otherwise, we just do what we want, we think we want. I don't know. I think a lot of times it's just the path of least resistance. It's the river flowing. I, I don't know that people even think about it all the That's time. That's what you want, though. You don't want to face the resistance, so you choose the easy way. That's a good point. You got a good point. But the whole the whole student thing, Louis fascinated by just watching her with this waiter. I think that was more of his evidence of being the student of life. And I think he was mad too that he had brought up living with her and and she not only blew him off, but blew him off and what was on her mind at that moment in place of moving in together was some more oil. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just like look, they put the camera on his face, and we could we could literally see him learning something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Pamela then calls him calls him on ruining the mood um, about moving in together. You ru- you ruin the mood with that comment, and she's she admits she's scared of it. Um, she she tries to portray herself as being fun, like you like me, and I'm fun. You're not fun at all. That's why I have to make fun of you. It's my job to make fun of you. Yeah. Uh, and then we used to be friends before this whatevery couple sex thing. So they are they are at this point where they've been friends a long time and sex happens every now and then and Louis trying to define it into the move in together thing and she's she likes the whatevery couple before the whatevery couple friends stage is what she wants to cling to. Well and she tells him, she says, you know, that she loves him right now. And what kind of thing is that to say to somebody? You know, I mean, I guess it's honest, but to she somebody like math, Louis, she has the math for it. She's she has the algebra for it. Um, she says connections with previous people have been awful. Didn't we learn anything? I had a baby with a guy. I hate that guy now. You have your ex-wife. You don't really care for her anymore. Um, there's and she says there's more than one way to be together. Do all roads need to lead in ruin? Then she does that math. Uh, friends to sex to love to marriage to divorce to ruin is the typical path. And then her solution is friends to sex to love to Italian food to have your own places, separate places, stup, stup other people, and then back to friends. And then Louis says, are you fucking someone else? And he just takes that Oh, I know. jealously. I know. I know. But... Do you think it happens that way? I mean, yeah. don't do you? you? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Is is it as long as she doesn't carry it past a certain point, then they'll be able to remain friends? Is that That was a hugely interesting point that she made that if people who got married if they had never gotten married and just stayed friends, wouldn't they still be friends? Well, would they? I don't know because I think, I think so. 
I don't know, Mike. I don't know. I don't know that that the marriage is the defining thing, or even the moving in with each other. We weren't talking about getting married necessarily, but even the moving in with each other. I don't know that that's the defining thing that's going to cut off the friendship at the end of it. I it think, is. Is it? It is. How many people have ex-lovers that they are not friends with any longer, but your friends you've been friends with for 30 years, 25, 15 years? Yeah, but if you're having a love affair with your friend and you're sleeping with them, what's the difference? Well, you've been married a long time to one guy, the <laughs> same guy, so you're, you're pretty unique in that, Michelle. You've got to recognize that. Most um, people don't have long marriages. They have they have multiple marriages or multiple partners. I guess that's why I'm asking though, because what what point can you remain friends with people? Um at what point do you cross something? Is it the moving in? Is it the the sex with somebody? I mean, what point makes it where you can't have a friendship with the person afterward? Well, I just don't the, understand that's that. That's the question that she's leaving us with. Okay. She's trying to say for her it's moving in and being in that sort of a defined relationship. She still wants sex. She wants the sleepover. But then you go back to your own place and you have sex with another person. But you're still friends with the first and second and third person. Okay. And, and that sounds reasonable i think that's what happens in life okay people who only have casual relationships tend to stay friends longer than people who go in deep for more committed deeper defined relationships because those work out well while they're working but when they end they pretty much end definitively yeah but this is not a casual thing with louie it may be a I'm casual not saying thing it is i'm saying pamela's defining it that way Right, and I think she wants to feel that way, and I think she may actually feel that way, but I don't think Louie feels that way. So I don't know if Louie's going to be able to be okay with just friendship. Well, considering this remember, is be- we're watching Louie learn here, learn about life, and he does agree to it. He has to agree to it, I guess, at the end. Yeah, but he doesn't only agree. He agrees. He's like, I don't even know why I'm on this side. I yeah. don't know why I'm arguing this side once he thinks about it. Right, but, I think he's learned a little bit here. Okay. Yeah, so he says he's scared Pamela's going to find someone else and he'll lose her. And she says, well, you don't even have me. I love you right now, and tonight we'll have a sleepover, but you don't have me. You don't, uh, you don't own me in this relationship. You don't have any rights to me exclusively or, and me to you. She makes that pretty clear. Well, and he even agrees that if they got together, they'd never make it. Probably. Right. So they come up with the a la carte, not all inclusive. Pretty, pretty clever, pretty intelligent writing for this whole. I agree. Um, and then she makes pretty, pretty clear example. Like, do you want to stick your dick in a bunch of ladies, strange holes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> and he says, well, do you flips it on her? And she says, yes, really super enthusiastically. Um, and then she points out the big boobed woman. Now, this was, we needed a little comedic relief here, I think, from the crassness of her last statement. And it was pretty funny. The, the big funny. boobs with the cheese opera music and the woman's talking away and she doesn't even notice the cheese going all over her boobs. Yeah, that was funny. That was funny. But I kind of felt for Louis. Did you think Louis was just, um, I don't know, being coy with Pamela when he said which woman 
Because I, when, when she said, look at that woman over there, and they pan to the women, I didn't know which one she was talking about either. And I mean, I know I'm a girl and blah, blah. But when he said, which one? I took that as sincere, and she just, I mean, she smacks him down over it. Oh, Michelle, you need an episode guide. Of course they met that woman. (laughs) She's brilliantly there with her huge boobs half exposed. She's brilliantly there? She's the most prominent person, the one fully facing the table of Louis and Pamela. I know, but honestly, I didn't know where Pamela was going, and with with her statement, I know, but I I felt for him. I felt he was sincere, and then he kind of got smacked down for that. You're a one percenter. Okay, no doubt. Ninety nine percenters are the boob recognizer. No doubt. Okay. All right, she makes a point about Louis, this whole a la carte. Like, I don't have big boobs like that lady, but if you wanted to, you could just a la carte one night go get the big boobed woman. Um, and then she calls herself genius. I'm genius. Come on, you got to admit it. I'm genius. <laughs> she says we're two years away from a sharp decline in our looks, and let's not <laughs> waste what we got on each other. <laughs> Pretty funny. It's funny, and it's kind of sad. I thought it was a little sad, and I thought it was um, a little telling about what she's thinking about. Well, it probably is a little sad and true. Louis, this is where Louis agrees to the a la carte. Like, how could he not? She makes she she's a pretty good debater, Pamela Adlin here. She makes a pretty good point, and he really has no other choice but to agree to the a la carte. Yeah, and then he's like, once he learns it, like you just said, he's like, ah, okay, and he starts eating his linguine or whatever he's got. Big old mouthful of it. Mouthful, yeah. So they walk home, and Louis thinking of he's quiet, and he's Louis. Pamela asks him what he's doing, you know, what's going on, and he's thinking of jokes for the night. Um, and so they go into another club, and Pamela watches him do the routine, and she's trying really hard not to laugh. Brad, but but he's really pretty funny here. It's the funny voice from North Carolina, the hillbilly voice. Right, right, and and it was funny. And I noticed something else here, and I could have just been reading something into it, but Pamela was sitting beside another girl, and the other girl was, like, belly laughing at Louie, and Pamela was noticing that. And it kind of made me wonder if the tides are going to turn a little bit in this, and she might start appreciating Louie a little more. I think so. I think that's what the message was, that this guy really is funny. Right. No, he's not just some schlub. She had to, she had, we, and for the audience, we saw her appreciating Louis, like visually, literally appreciating him by laughing at his work. You know, that's his pay, that's his, that's his uh, coin, right? The laughter he gets from his jokes. Right. And it's really important to him that, that, that the woman that he's with find him funny. We've seen that. So. Right. Right. So later on, they're sleeping, you know, Pamela's asleep, and then he's watching TV, and he sees the Bart Folding guy <laughs> doing his funny voice on Jimmy Fallon. That was funny. It's, um, it, it really wasn't funny. The comedian wasn't funny. What's funny is the woeful Louis just re- realizing he created this Frankenstein comedic monster. Yeah, it was funny, the look on Louis's face when, um, when Bart comes up on Jimmy Fallon doing a, a whole show. Around this new star comedian, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's and, bigger than Louis at this point. And it's only been, like, a week. I think we're supposed to know that, too. I read that 
somewhere that this has been like the week before or something that he gave this. So this guy like catapulted to stardom. Right. He's a comedy meteor. He's flashed into brilliance immediately. Right. Right. So then the credits roll as that agonized French woman comes back on and she's struggling against the wall in Paris or somewhere. Yeah. Had Rashomon flashbacks and, it's really bad. There were no French women in Rashomon, Michelle. No, I know, but the black and white. Uh, you just don't appreciate so art. <laughs> okay. All right, so that was the end of 502 a la carte. Next week is 503 Cop Story. Who knows Where what that Where did you find be? that? I couldn't even find it. I couldn't um, find Cop Story. Professional podcast from Michelle. I get my notes together. Wow. Okay. Good. No, I mean, I I really was looking for um for the next episodes of Louie and what it was, and I looked several places and I couldn't find it. I could tell you five hundred four too, but I don't want to show off. No. Okay. <laughs> so five hundred three is cop story. Michelle, we do this podcast on West Coast Project. This is the Louie TV stream, and my Twitter connection is at Scathing Tweets. What is yours? At Michelle from TN. Awesome. So any last thoughts, Michelle, before we sign off from this week and wait for a cop story? Um, I just wanted to say one thing. I wanted to ask if you think that this a la carte is, could also be like Louie's way of saying that this episode is going to be a la carte, meaning because of the pregnant sex with Julianne and, and now he's back with Pamela and it's just going to be what he wants to do. Because I think you had maybe said something about that beforehand that you had read something about, this was just going to be different than last year as far as the continuity. Yeah. I don't, I think he's fat placed loose with the continuity. I don't know. That's a good question. It may be that this one stick stands out on its own. Okay. Yeah, last year they had themes, like little arcs of three and even right. six episodes, right? Right, right. Elevator yeah. six. And I think this one might be a, a la carte, kind of everything stands on its own. But that's because an interesting thought. Like if you go to a restaurant and you eat a la carte, don't you think an a la carte meal is it's never quite as good as like a featured meal? Right? It's kind of you get what you want, but you're not getting what the chef produced as kind of a theme for you. It's it's certainly not as satisfying, I don't think. I agree. Maybe that is the good analogy that, like your point, that a real relationship with somebody you're committed to in a marriage that lasts a long time, that's better than a la carte. But a la carte can be tasty for the moment. Like you get you get what you want, but you don't get the deep satisfaction of the full meal. Well, right. I mean, because take a kid to a a la carte restaurant and you're going to have jello and cookies and cake, but. Yeah, chicken fingers. Right, right. You get what you want, but then nutritionally, you're not fulfilled for any length of time. I don't know. The whole thing was really interesting to me. And I'm and I'm kind of taken aback that that I kind of went down this rabbit hole this week with this because. You know I've struggled against it with Louie, and I've wanted certainly to believe that it was much more superficial. I don't know if I've wanted to, but that's what I've kind of believed. And I, I, he really sucked me in with this one. Yeah, this guy's not a comedian. He's a psychological creator of good drama with, com- with comedy as kind of the sprinkles on top. Yeah, it's, it's like an artist version of comedy. 
I think that's why people love him. It's not just punchline joke after joke like a Rodney Dangerfield. He's kind of a creator of art. You know, it's it's comedic art. Well, this one was pretty good. All right, Michelle. See you next week on Cop Story. See you then, Mike. Bye. Bye-bye.